0: So once again, the Christmas story has been told. 2,000 years ago in a barn in Palestine, a young woman gave birth to a baby boy, and the story proclaims that that child was God in flesh and blood, the Messiah, or in Greek, the Christ. Now, as much as Other stories have grown up around this particular one. Uh, Santa Claus, Frosty the Snowman, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, uh, The Grinch, Elf, starring Will Will Ferrell, the movie. Uh, Still, even though all those stories are told as well, the central story is retold and heard by millions and millions of people every year. The only thing left to decide is how we and the world will respond to the story. The story invites all people everywhere to share in life with God through the life of the child. But not all people accept the invitation. Some of us are a bit like the Magi of this morning's story. Uh, God has had to lead us a long way before we experience Jesus and come to worship him. The Magi were men from a very far-off place in a very different culture than the Jewish people of Israel. Likely, they were from Persia. They were people who studied the stars to try to understand life And the world. They were people that were searching for meaning the best way they knew how. And God spoke to them. God spoke to that longing in a way that they could understand. It's really important for us to, to note that God reached out to them through what they understood. In verse 2 of this morning's main story, we hear that they uh, come looking for the king. They ask Herod where he is, the one who has been born king of the Jews. We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. God spoke to them through something that they knew. And even after they receive more specific information and in revelation about the king from the newborn king from the Hebrew scriptures, which is also an important addition, even though God again speaks to them through the stars, the chief priests and the, uh, the, the theology professors essentially tell Herod that the scriptures say the, the newborn king, will, the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem Herod uh, shares that news with them, and they go to look. And then we hear, even after they've gotten that more specific information from the scriptures, that after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen before in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. God has led them both with what they know and through the scriptures to their ultimate goal, which is the Christ. On coming, in verse 11, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened up their treasures and gave their gifts. They returned to their previous life but now having experienced God in the child. Some of us are like the Magi. Uh, We've tried to find understanding and meaning in our lives and in the world. And God has led us a long way through both what we have known and through the scriptures to our ultimate goal, the child Christ. We now know the story The only question is, will we bow and worship? On the other hand, some of us are a bit like Herod. And I say only a bit like Herod because Herod was a horrible human being, atrocious human being. William Barclay notes that Herod was insanely suspicious of people that were trying to take his power, Over the course of his reign as king, Herod killed his wife, his mother-in-law, and three of his own sons, as well as other people, because he was uh, afraid that they were all after his power. He knew that he was so despised that people would be overjoyed when he died, so he decided he made an order and he had a number of very prominent citizens of Jerusalem arrested and held captive. And he followed that order with another one that when he died, immediately upon Herod's own death, all of those prominent citizens were to be killed in order that there would be tears shed on the day that he died. That's why I say that uh, we're only a bit like King Herod. Um, he, was, he was horrible. When the Magi then come and ask him where the newborn king is, they ask King Herod, where is the newborn king? We hear his response, fairly understated, I might say, that when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. That phrase, all Jerusalem with, with him, at first caught me, but as I read more, it becomes more understandable. William Barclay notes that Jerusalem was troubled too, for they knew the steps that Herod would take to eliminate this child. Jerusalem knew Herod and shivered as it waited for his inevitable reaction. And we know through history Uh, other historical records, that when Herod finally realizes that uh, the, the Magi are not coming back to give him the information they wanted, he wanted about where this new king is, that he sent a group of soldiers to Bethlehem, the Bethlehem area, to slaughter all male children under the age of two. Uh, just in case. So, um, I say that none of us here are exactly like Herod in the fullness of his response to the story of the birth of the child Christ. And yet there is a little Herod in all of us. Dale Bruner does a great job of reminding us of what scripture says about all human beings, Bruner writes that from the very beginning of our Bible, quote, the creation and fall stories in Genesis, in them we are remind, are confronted with a dual answer of the question of human nature. In summary, he writes, human beings are both good essentially and bad existentially. Both creatures in God's image and so good essentially and rebels against God, and so bad existentially. He concludes, he concludes, therefore, that Herod serves as simply a more graphic representation of what all of us are more subtly within. Bruner's ultimate point is that, is, quote, it's only as we learn to see ourselves in the problematic persons of the gospel that we will be reading the gospel existentially. And that is the whole point of telling these stories and hearing these stories year after year is that we will respond existentially in, in, in the fullness of who we are. For some of us, at least some of the time, it might be like the Magi in worship. For some of us, at least some of the time, it might be like Herod. In rebellion. Or it might be like the other response that we read of in this morning's story, that of the chief priests and the, I call them the theology professors, the teachers of the law. Their response is not as evil as Herod's, but it is pretty pathetic. They show up in verse 4, um, King Herod hears this and he calls together the chief priests and teachers of the law and he asks them where the Christ was to be born. He asks them because they are the ones that are supposed to know and they do. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written, but you, Bethlehem, etc., for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Soren Kierkegaard, the Danish philosopher, points out the failing of the chief priests and the teachers of the law. Kierkegaard notes that the magi, these strangers from far away, had only a rumor to go by, but it moved them to make that long journey. The scribes, the chief priests, were much better informed, much better versed. They sat and studied the scriptures but it didn't make them move. Kierkegaard extends that thought in a way that brings us back to the main point. He writes, what an atrocious self-contradiction that the scribes should have the knowledge and yet remain still. This is as bad as if a person knows all about Christ and Christ's teachings and yet their own life expresses the opposite. The story of Christ's birth invites us to make an existential choice of how to respond. And as I said with the kids, this invitation is open to all people everywhere at all times. It's the beautiful vision that is given to Isaiah that we hear in that Hebrew First Testament passage. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Darkness covers the whole earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. goes on, and then it's the great revelation that is given to Paul that he shares with the, the Ephesians who were up until Christ outsiders, aliens to the promises. But he writes to them and says, for this, this is the reason that I write to you for the sake of you Gentiles. And he stops himself as soon as he says Gentiles. And he says, you know, don't you, what the, what the whole point is, what the mystery was that's been revealed now that had not been known in the same way until Jesus Christ. He says, the mystery is that through the gospel, through these stories about Jesus, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. In a poem entitled The Magi by the British poet Malcolm Gite, he reveals how we connect to all of this and this story from our morning's text. He writes, it might have been just someone else's story. Some chosen people get a special king. We leave them to their own peculiar glory. We don't belong. It doesn't mean a thing. But when these three arrive, they bring us with them. Gentiles like us, their wisdom might be ours, a steady step that finds an inner rhythm, a pilgrim's eye that sees beyond the stars. They did not know his name, but still they sought him. They came from otherwhere, but still they found. In palaces found those who sold and bought him, but in the filthy stable, hollowed ground. Their courage gives us our questioning hearts, a voice to seek, to find, to worship, and rejoice. The story of Christ's birth invites all people to share life with God through the life of the child. The only question is how will we respond? Amen.